Today's episode of Our Close of Business is sponsored by Pragma Lawyers. All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At Close of Business, News Briefing. This episode of At Close of Business is sponsored by Pragma Lawyers. Good afternoon, this is Simone Grogan with your Wednesday afternoon headlines. Fortescue Metals Group has been charged with 34 counts of failing to supply documents to WorkSafe relating to alleged sexual harassment at its WA mine sites. The safety watchdog issued a statement late this afternoon advising it to commence prosecution action against Andrew Forrest Fortescue Metals Group. The company has been charged with 34 counts of refusing or failing to comply with the requirement to hand over documents to a WorkSafe inspector within a specified period without a reasonable excuse, according to WorkSafe. WorkSafe said its inspectors had the right to request documentation within a specified time frame unless the business had a reasonable excuse not to per the Work Health and Safety Act 2022. The documents relate to cases of alleged sexual harassment at Fortescue's Christmas Creek, Solomon and Cloudbreak iron ore mines. Fortescue is due to appear in the Perth Magistrates Court on March 17 but has not yet entered a plea to the charges. And in more mining news, BHP has confirmed one of its employees was killed at the miners' iron ore operations in Port Hedland after being hit by a locomotive. BHP WA Iron Ore Asset President Brandon Craig says the person was struck by a locomotive at approximately 9.30pm Western Standard Time on Tuesday, February 7. Mr Craig said BHP was devastated by the tragic event and said it would provide any support it could to the workers' family, friends and colleagues. BHP's iron ore operations in WA will be suspended for 24 hours as a result and the company says it will be undertaking a full investigation to understand what happened. WorkSafe has also confirmed it is investigating the incident, which it said had occurred at a BHP rail yard south of Port Hedland. The Office of the National Rail Safety Regulator is also undertaking an investigation. And in other news, developer Webb and Brown Neves has succeeded in setting up a display house in Dalkeith after being entangled with the City of Netherlands in the State Administrative Tribunal. The City's Council twice refused the developer's application to temporarily change the use of a house on the corner of Curlew Road and Warata Avenue from residential to display home last year. Webb and Brown Neves first lodged the application for Curlew Road with the City in January 2022 and applied for a review with SAT in June. In a decision delivered yesterday, SAT member Ross Povey allowed Webb and Brown Neves' application for review and overruled the council's decision, substituting it for an approval. Mr Povey said the proposed development was a small-scale non-residential activity with amenity impacts on the locality capable of being managed through additional measures. He also found that the city did not identify concerns with another display house nearby, which has been operating for 18 months. Mr Povey said the tribunal would grant the change of use with conditions that the approval was temporary, with the property to return as a single house after 18 months and signage to be displayed during hours of operation. An increase in vehicle movements on the street and a display home being deemed inappropriate for the area were the reasons cited by Nedlands councillors, who refused the change of use application at a council meeting in May. Two other applications for display home change of use were refused at the May meeting. Despite mediation and the SAT inviting the city to reconsider its decision, the council reaffirmed its refusal of making 20 Curlew Roadhouse a display home at its August meeting. And in other news, Perth-founded tech company Nearmap has implemented big staff cuts shortly after global investor Thomas Bravo completed a $1 billion takeover. The departing staff include Chief Executive Rob Newman, who told Business News he decided at the end of last year that it was time for a change. 
Mr Newman said he decided to leave the company at the same time as a broader restructure that would result in about 20% of staff leaving. Mr Newman said Nearmap planned to focus on the US and Australian markets and therefore global roles such as Chief Marketing Officer would not be needed. Another person leaving is Chief Financial Officer Penny Diamantico, while Chief Operations Officer Andy Watt will be made the new Chief Executive. Nearmap joins many other big tech companies in making big layoffs this year. Mr Newman said he planned to spend the next few months relaxing, after which he will consider mentoring or other roles. Nearmap was founded in Perth in 2007 by Stuart Nixon, who has developed the technology behind three successful aerial mapping companies. And that's all from me this afternoon. Coming up next on the podcast, Jordan Murray catches up with Mark Beyer on his latest feature on Western Australia's largest private companies. At Pragma Lawyers, we help our clients avoid and resolve legal disputes so they can focus on what's important. We do this by thinking outside the square to advance and protect our clients' interests in innovative and cost-effective ways. Based in Subiaco, our specialist lawyers assist in all aspects of business law, including dispute resolution and litigation, insolvency and restructuring, employment and industrial relations, property and business transactions. To find out why Australasian Lawyer Magazine awarded us the title of Top Boutique Law Firm 2022, visit pragma.law today. Welcome back to our Close of Business. I'm Jordan Murray, today joined by Senior Editor Mark Beyer. Mark, is this your first appearance on At Close of Business for the year? Oh, I think it might be. It's the first appearance with me. I think you may have spoken to Matt McKenzie earlier in the year. So are you thankful that you get to talk to me, at least? Always good value. <laughs> Mark, compiling data on private companies is a substantially harder task than it is for public companies, and that's in part because the reporting standards aren't uniform and often we have to go out of our way to find this information. Uh, Your latest overview of private companies features some lesser-known names, but despite that, there is one well-known name that tops the list. Yeah, look, we've got a lot of data on Western Australia's big private companies, Uh, For people that go online to data and insights, there's details there for about 100 large private companies. And for this feature, I've focused on the top 10 to give the readers a bit of an insight into who sits there, what sort of businesses, what sort of trends are happening. Number one on the list, Hancock Prospecting. It's really quite spectacular when you look at the numbers here. Revenue last year, $14.6 billion. Uh, Annual profit, $5.8 billion. Now, that profit figure is double the annual profit that was reported by West Farmers, which many of us traditionally think of as WA's largest ASX company. Uh, Gina Reinhart's private company doubled the West Farmers profit and all the dividends flow through to Gina Reinhart and her children. Lots of legal issues there on the side, but that's another story for another day. And iron ore is the big driver here. Um, Hancock Prospecting owns 70% of Roy Hill Holdings, uh, which is a very substantial player up in the Pilbara. It also owns Atlas Iron, uh, which delivered its first uh, big dividend last year. Uh, Got extensive pastoral interests, though their contribution to profit is quite minuscule compared to the iron ore. And as a group, making very large investments, both to expand the iron ore operations up in the Pilbara, but also looking to develop interests in critical minerals and coal and other commodities. Uh, So certainly looking to invest for the long term. And when you're making that sort of money, you've already paid off all your debts. Uh, The the family members are uh, financially very comfortable. Uh, Lots of money to invest for growth of the business. 
Hancock Prospecting is big business, but again, looking further down that list turns up some recognisable names, and Andrew and Nicola Forrest Tatarang is one of the most. Yeah, well, Tatarang, we rank as number two in our list of WA's largest private companies. Uh, now, Tatarang is a bit different. They don't lodge any consolidated financial accounts with the corporate regulator ASIC. And pretty much all the other companies in our database, like Hancock Prospecting, are required to lodge annual financial statements. They don't often have much commentary with them, but at least we've get the, the base numbers. In the case of Tatarang, uh, a combination of estimates that we do and data provided by the company tells us they have annual revenue of about $5 billion. Um, so look, you know, a third of the Hancock number, but nonetheless very substantial. Their biggest asset, of course, is the 36% shareholding that it holds on behalf of the Forrest family in Fortescue Metals Group, um, which has been spectacularly profitable in its own right, pays big dividends to the family, and they've used that to invest in all sorts of things. Uh, the biggest deal they've ever done was completed late last year. That was the purchase of the wind farm developer CWP Renewables. Paid a lazy $4 billion for that. So not bad when you're a private company and you can afford to outlay, outlay that on one transaction. And then, of course, around that, they've, they're very big in agribusiness, in hospitality uh, and tourism, uh, mining, um, all sorts of sectors. Very active investor. We've talked about the recognisable names there, Mark, but there are actually quite a few businesses that have shoveled up and down the list this year, as well as a few uh, low-profile names that people might not be aware of. Which ones stuck out to you while writing this article? Yeah, well, look, there were quite a few. Look, number three on the list, VGW Holdings, annual revenue $3.5 billion, uh, profit $450 million last year. This is the company, used to be called Virtual Gaming World. It's an online gaming business. Does gets most of its revenue out of the US, uh, but headquartered and run from Perth. Uh, two thirds owner is Lawrence Escalante. So just um, and that's they've come from almost nowhere about seven or eight years ago to having this uh, amazingly profitable business. So very successful. Another longer running business, uh, but also very low profile. Burn Cup. So they're basically the world's leading specialist underground mining contractor. Founded in Kalgoorlie, uh, now headquartered at Perth Airport. Annual revenue, $1.9 billion. Got about 5,500 people employed around the world in all sorts of mining contracts. So a name most people have never heard of, but a very substantial company out of Perth. Uh, then you've got the big building groups like BGC and Dale Orcock's company, ABN Group. Um, you know, they've had a, a tough time in the past year, both incurred losses last year and they were hit by labour shortages and rising costs and so on. Uh, the CFC Group, um, owned by the um, Kadachi family, their best-known operation is Centurion Transport. You know, I think we've all seen the big trucks with the Centurion signage on it, um, but they own a range of businesses. Their revenue's grown really strongly, close to a billion dollars. Um, another big contracting group, Giorgio, similar revenue. Uh, and then others like Navitas, Perrin Group. So look, you know, a really diverse collection there. And in the magazine, we've got sort of a detailed breakdown on all of them. Just finally, Mark, the most fascinating insight from my perspective was that on occasion you found some of these low-profile family outfits had achieved quite substantial results in the last year compared to some of those bigger-name mainstays that seem to underperform. Yeah, well, I guess what you see is a, a big mismatch between revenue and profit. So, for instance, the big contracting companies like CFC and Giorgio, uh, 
they're a, you know, a high-volume, low-margin business. That's the nature of the business that they're in. Um, others, um, well, look, Hancock Prospecting ticks all the boxes, high turnover, but amazing profit margins. Then you've got other ones like Perrin Group. So that's a, a specialist investment company set up by the late Stan Perrin. Now, they're Revenue, they're number 10 on the list. Revenue was about $700 million, But out of that, an after-tax profit last year of $330 million. So, you know, what a spectacular return, uh, given the assets they've got invested. You know, they've got a blue-chip portfolio, own shopping centres, office towers, equities, um, and diversifying into areas like private equity, uh, but going very well. And then a couple of other names that stand out, uh, Right Prospecting, that's a family-owned business that basically gets its money from iron ore royalties. Um, you know, it's, a fact, it's a specialist company, uh, one of the most profitable companies in the state. Uh, that money just flows straight through to the owners of the business, um, including Angela Bennett and Alex Burt and their families. Um, so yeah, some, some amazingly profitable businesses in WA. A lot of them tied to iron ore in particular. To read more on this one, head online now to businessnews.com.au or pick up the latest edition of Business News with Tyler Spooner, founder of the U Group, gracing the cover. You can also see any of the data referenced in today's podcast on Business News's data and insights data portal. In the meantime, Mark, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Jordan. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au. Today's episode of Our Close of Business is sponsored by Pragma Lawyers.